Hey everybody, this is Josh Gunter, pastor of The Gathering Springfield, and I wanted to personally thank you for tuning into our podcast. As you listen, I pray that you would be encouraged and equipped with the Word of God, and that you would grow in your desire to see His glory. Join me each week, along with fellow church leaders, as we dive into the Scriptures together with the desire to behold Jesus and become more like Him. This is our third week and the last part of our pilot episodes. Josiah is here with me again. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We've had a lot of fun talking about the church. We really enjoyed last week's episode. I thought it was a lot of fun. Yes, it was. We talked about the culture of love, honor, and grace. If you haven't already, I want to really encourage you to go back and listen to part one and part two. Our goal in these first three episodes have been to share a little bit about who we are as a church and what we're all about. Hopefully we've been able to do that. Hopefully, yeah, accomplished that. (laughs) Today we're going to wrap up by talking about the gathering's vision and our core values. We hit on these a little bit. Mentioned uh, them here or there. Yeah, in the first couple of episodes. We want to take this whole episode and uh, talk a little bit more about them, dive a little bit deeper into them. The Bible says without vision, the people perish. I like the ESV. It says that without a prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. And so it's really important for us to have to understand what the prophetic vision for our church is. Yeah. What is it that God has said, this is what I have called you to do? Mm-hmm. And our vision is simply the overall goal that we have for our community. It's what we want to see accomplished. Right. I think sometimes we can make a vision statement uh, more about having a vision statement than actually leaning into what God is telling us to do. Right. You know, we don't want to have a, a vision statement, just a catchy statement yeah. that people read and go, oh, that sounds great. Yeah. But we really wanted to dive in and see what God is calling us as yeah, a community exactly. to do. Yeah. And our prophetic vision is for our city to behold the glory of Jesus and be transformed into his image. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty simple sentence. Behold and become. Behold and become. It's the behold and become lifestyle for our region, our city, to behold yes. the glory of Jesus and to be transformed, to yes. behold him and become like him. Yep. And so that's our vision for our city, for our region, and that's the vision for our church, and yep. that's the vision for my life. Yeah, like, it starts with me. Yeah, yeah, I want to behold Jesus yes. and to become more like him. At the end of the day, that is the number one priority in my life above yep. everything else is to be able to behold Jesus yeah. and to be like him. It should be shaping every decision, every action. That should be it, is looking to him and being like him. I think it's the Christian calling is to become more and more like Jesus. We get that vision from Second Corinthians 3.18. says that we all, meaning all of us as born-again believers, we all, with an unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into that same image from one degree of glory to another degree of glory. That has huge implications. Like, we can't just read over that. Right. It says that we as Christians, we don't have a veil any longer that's covering us from seeing Jesus, but we can behold the glory of God and we can be transformed, and here's the big part, into that same image Mm. From one degree of glory to another degree of glory. And it goes on to say, and this comes by the Spirit of the Lord. Yeah. And so by the anointing, by the Spirit of God, we are allowed with an unveiled face to look at Jesus right. and become like Him. Mm. Why, I believe while we're here on earth, yeah, 
What's the Lord's Prayer say? I mean, (laughs) absolutely. Jesus said, pray this way. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. I'm I'm kicking it old school. That's the way I learned it in King James. But holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Mm -hmm. As ambassadors of Jesus, that's what we do. We represent Christ. And we have this honor. We have a privilege of getting to be transformed by the Spirit of God into his image more and more. Right. One degree of glory to another degree of glory. For my family, that's the prayer I pray over my family, right. that Ashlyn, my girls, myself, that we would become more and more like Jesus every day. Mm-hmm. My girls pray that every night. Yeah. Um, and then we pray that for our church. Yeah. Me and Lauren, we even will pray it. Lord, I pray that others would see you through us. That's right. And it's it's the same thing. It's that, Lord, I want people to see you through me. I don't want people to see Josiah, but I want them to see Jesus. It's through that fixing your eyes on him and just... It's making him Lord, Yeah, you know? It's not about me. It's not about people seeing how dynamic I am, how fun I am, how cool I am. Right. Because the reality is, Josh, Josiah, whoever you are, we cannot by ourselves transform this world. Absolutely not. No way. Uh, Not for God's glory. Yeah, Yeah. and you look at Jesus and it was, this is my father's business. He said, I came to make the Father's will known. Yes. I don't do anything unless the Father And that's does what we it. should be doing. I'm, I want the Father's will to be known. Yeah. In this behold and become lifestyle, there are a lot of different ways to behold him. I can behold Jesus in my quiet meditation and prayer time, and I can behold him through the scriptures. I think that's the ultimate way to behold him is yeah. to, to open the word and see what the word has to say and, and yeah. how he taught and what he did. It's living. It's active. And, but I also we can also behold them as we gather together, and right. I can behold him in you. Yeah. yeah, I can behold him in those in our church. I'm not the only part of God's body, of the body of Christ. But that's why I need one another. So we behold him, and then that's how we slowly start in the sanctification process, become more and more mm-hmm. like him. Yep. There are different thoughts in the in the church in the global church some will say that we're already sanctified and others will say no no we're being sanctified and i'd like to say well both are true spiritually you are never going to be more sanctified in your spirit than you are now you're born again you're redeemed you're never going to be more saved spiritually speaking you are but physically you are being sanctified just because your spirit is is fully sanctified and saved it doesn't mean that your body... That'd be cool. That'd be great. <laughs> be nice if we were fully sanctified and completely like Jesus. But while we're here in this body and on the earth, we're in this process of being sanctified. And that is, again, part of our vision, that we right. behold him and become more and more and more like him from one yep. degree of glory to another degree of glory. And that's what we want, not just for ourselves. And that's kind of what we were talking about earlier. It's not just for me. It is for me. It's not just for you. Yeah. It is for you. It's for our church. We want all that. But we actually want our region where God has yes, positioned us. Holes, yeah. We want Springfield. We're Again, we're located in Springfield, Missouri, and we want Springfield to behold Jesus, and uh, to behold his glory and become like him. We want every arena of our city. Yeah. We, we want every church walking in this. The, we want every home. From the north to the south, the east to the west, the, every single area. Everywhere. We, we want the schools, the government buildings, yes, the yes. police force. Mm-hmm. In fact, we want the police force to not even be as busy as they are because the criminals have started to behold Jesus yeah. and become like him. Yeah. And the crime rate decreases. Yes. It's a spirit of revival. I think revival can be summed up as a group of people 
becoming more and more and more like Jesus. That's yeah. holy revival, yes. is it not? Yeah. Uh, that's that's our vision. That's what God has laid on our heart for us to go after. Yeah. That's what our heart burns inside of us to see accomplished. Yeah. Although we may not see in our lifetime, our city, we may not see the fulfillment of that vision while we're on this earth. We're going to see the beginning. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> we may not see every single person in our region behold Jesus and become like him. Um, in fact, we know uh, the scriptures make it pretty obvious that, that not everyone's going to accept the gospel, mm-hmm. that the, there are going to be a wicked group of people who's going to continue to be wicked. But that being said, that doesn't change yeah, what doesn't we do. doesn't stop us, no. It is still our goal. It is still our desire to see this whole region transformed by the glory of Jesus and becoming more and more like him. Behold Jesus, become like Jesus. I think it's Hosea. We, we were reading the other day, I think it was Hosea, in the book of Hosea, where God was rebuking Israel, and he said that you have become like the detestable things that you behold. Mm -hmm. Israel was beholding these ungodly and vile practices. They were looking at these pagan ways. They were worshiping these idols. And he says that you have now become like the detestable things that you behold. Uh, You're going to become like what you behold. Yeah, absolutely. Just the way it is. Whatever you look at, you're going to start acting that way, walking that way. You can just take a second and self-examine and look at what are the things that I like to do and why do I like to do those things? Because I put my attention on those things. It's natural for us to do that. Whatever community that you're in, you're going to start operating like that. Yeah. Uh, Whenever you're around a a group of people that are constantly uh, speaking negative, that's going to affect you. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You're around a group of people that's constantly being positive. That is going to affect you. Yeah. And so, if you're beholding, if your focus is to behold Jesus, oh man, to look at Jesus and say He has my attention. Yep. My life is going to be centered around this one thing: is looking and dwelling upon Christ and who He is. Guess what? That's going to affect you. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And without fail you will become more like Christ. Mm -hmm. If you have given your life to him, if you're a born-again believer, and your goal is to just look at Jesus, you're going to become more like him. Good job. Thumbs up. I think a lot of us, when we get saved, we're just, okay, we're saved, and now we're going to go back to doing everything we used to do. Or we get saved, and we're like, okay, I, I don't have to go to hell. But then it's not long before we realize that our life isn't changing. What changed, yeah. What really changed. (laughs) Yeah. So we have a responsibility, yeah. even after salvation. I'm saved. I don't have to go to hell. I get to go to heaven. But there's more. Now I've got to make sure that my eyes are focused on Christ and that I'm submitted to his lordship so that I can be transformed into the image of the beautiful bride of Christ that he's called me to. Yeah, it's not just a one and done. It's an everyday, continued decision. I'm living today looking at you. Yeah, so that's our vision. I uh, don't want to spend a, a, a lot more time on it because we have quite a few things to walk through together today. Uh, in our, co- We want to start the conversation of uh, also our core values. In our church, we have what we call our core values. And essentially what these are, are these are the things that we believe God has given the church to, to put an emphasis on, the Christian community. It, it really is what we need to give ourselves to. Mm-hmm. And I know that some churches may... Uh, word it differently, uh, but ultimately, I, I really believe that the Christian church would pretty much agree that these are the things that the church should operate in. These are the things that we should be talking about. These are the things that God has given to the church 
to walk in, to pursue after. Yeah. Uh, the first one is the presence of God. Now, we've already talked about this again in that first episode. I'm not going to spend a lot of time here. But at the end of the day, the ultimate thing is God's presence. Whenever our vision to behold Him and be transformed into His yeah. likeness, well, that's impossible without His presence. Yeah. Right? It says that this exactly. comes by the Spirit of the Lord. Yeah. And so uh, our ultimate value, the thing that we, we value more than anything else, we see it as a precious jewel, is God's presence. Yeah. So we're going to seek it. We're not solely talking about the presence of God that is in our life as believers, because when you're born again, you have His Spirit. But we're talking more than just that. We are talking about that. We value that presence, obviously. Right. But we're talking about the the manifest presence of God beyond just salvation. Mm-hmm. We're talking about the presence of God whenever we yeah. gather together. The Bible says that he incorporates the praises of his people. Where two or three are gathered together, there I will be with them. Yeah. So there's obviously a different degree, more. Yeah. a different dimension of his presence when we gather together. Yep. 1 Chronicles 16, 11 says to seek his presence continually. Exodus chapter 33, we read about Moses going to the tent of meeting and the glory of God resting on that place. I love the section here in this chapter where it says that when the cloud would rest over the tent and God's presence was was there, Moses would leave, but then Joshua would stay at the tent because he didn't want to leave. He would just sit there in the presence of God. And he didn't even get to experience the presence of God like Moses did, but he was just hungry for it. I believe that's partially why God anointed him and called him to be the next leader to take over for Moses. In Exodus chapter 33 and verse 14, God tells Moses, he says, My presence is going to go with you. Now, to set this up, this is when Israel was around the mountain and they're about to go into the promise, or they're supposed to be going into the promised land. And God tells Moses, he says, My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. But then Moses goes on to say, he says, and he said to him, Moses said to him, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. Mm-hmm. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not that in you going with us that we are distinct, I and your people, from every other people on the face of the earth? What he's saying is, if your presence doesn't go, we don't want to go. Yeah, I want to stay. What makes us any different from any other people group if your presence isn't with us? Mm-hmm. There have been nations that will rise and conquer. There will be nations that will win battles and defeat uh, other kingdoms. So even if we go out and we do those things, what makes us any different from yeah. those other nations? Right. But the fact that the living God is, is among us. us. Yeah. Yeah. The living God is with us. That's what sets us apart. Absolutely. You can be a nice guy. Yeah, you can be a successful husband, a successful wife, a successful father, mother, whatever. Yeah. So what makes it different for the Christian? It's that we have the presence, presence of, of God with but, us. Yeah, He's going before us. I, it's that's what changes it is that He is with us. It's without you, we are nothing. Yeah. I mean, without Him. I am nothing. I'm not naturally just wanting to do these good things. But when I look to you and I see you and who you are and I know that you are with me, so who can be against me? You yeah. go before me and behind me. You're my protector. You're my shield. You're always with me. Yeah. That's what makes the difference. Or, or a, a gathering of people without the presence of God is just another club. Right. You know, it, it's not. So a what if we sing some club. songs yeah. together? Right. 
a country a club. A country club. Yeah, yeah. We're, we, we're not trying to become another social club or a country club. We don't want to just come together, sing some songs, love on one another, encourage one yeah. another. Hug each other. High five. Hey, how's yeah. it going? We want to gather under the presence yes. of the living almighty God. Yeah. And there I is want a difference. to get together so that you can encounter God, and that's the same thing for you. You want to get together so that I can encounter God, and we all want to encounter Him together. So we chase after the presence of God together. That's our first core value. Uh, our second uh, core value is the Word of God. Yep. Um, the Bible, we take it very serious. Mm-hmm. Uh, we take it very literal yeah. uh, in our gathering. Uh, we teach it so that faith may grow, uh, so that we can... Uh, Ultimately, so we can behold Jesus in His Word, and that we can be equipped to be yeah. like Him. Yeah. In Second Timothy chapter three, uh, Paul tells Timothy later in the chapter around verse fifteen, he says that you've been acquainted with the sacred writings, which is the Scripture, the Word mm-hmm. of God. Yeah. He says which are profitable or which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ, to allow us to see Jesus, to have put our faith in Jesus. And he says, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God, I'll say the man or the woman of God, may be complete and equipped with every good work. The reason why we put such a value, such an emphasis on teaching and preaching the Word is simply put what Paul says here. It corrects us. Mm-hmm. You ever had to be corrected? Yep. What's the what corrects us better than anything else? The word. The word of God. Yep. <laughs> because we don't always think right, and we and to believe it or not, we've been wrong before. Yeah. We're wrong. Uh, we, I don't know it all. We don't. <laughs> and so the word corrects us. The word reproves us, which is a directing. Um, it, it directs us. Uh, it teaches us because we don't. We're not born with all knowledge. Right. And in this Christian walk, we need to increase in the knowledge of God. In, in one of the minor prophets, God says that my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Right. Don't want to be destroyed. Grow in knowledge. Yeah. Knowledge of the Word. The Word. The Word trains us in righteousness so that we can be equipped for every good work. So it's a part of the church's commission to train believers in the Word of God. So we put a big emphasis, and we have a high right. value on, on Scripture, mostly Scripture, but also what, what's God speaking to us right now? Right. The Word of God. Yeah. Uh, Acts 2, it says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Uh, it's something that they, they devoted themselves to seek after what God was saying and to listen to the teachings right. of the apostles. And so we do that. We gather around the Word, the writings of the apostles, and, the, and all of Scripture, and uh, we devote ourselves to it so that we may be complete and equipped for every good work. He goes on to say in chapter 4 in 2 Timothy, he says, I charge you in the presence of God and the li- and Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. They're going to turn away from listening to the truth. So, And it says that they're going to wander off into myths. In the last days, there's going to be a large group of people that I believe are going to call themselves the church or the mm-hmm. Christian church, and they're going to start drifting away from the scriptures, and they're going to be teaching their own opinions, right? their own feelings. We see that right now, even in, yeah. in our generation. 
there's a, a, a there's yeah, this so. false gospel going out trying to teach man-made doctrine, mm-hmm. man-made opinion. But that just right there shows the importance of why the word is so important. Is that you know when that's happening? It's like uh, that's not what the word says. That's uh, right. That's not right. That's not true. That's not what I remember reading in the word. And that's how we're trained in righteousness because we 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 can use the word to to tear down every false teaching. Right. We we have to be competent. We have to we have to gather around the word of God and we have to put it in its rightful place. Yeah. We have to value it with the utmost value. Yep. Another uh, one of our core values is community or covenant community. Mm-hmm. It it's that the body of Christ would operate together, navigating uh, this life as a family. Yeah. Uh, again, we talk about the culture of love, honor, and grace. It's so important for us. Uh, in Acts chapter 2, uh, verse 44, and the rest of the chapter, we start to read about how all those who believed, all the Christians, they came together, and it says that they had all things in common. They they, they even sold their possessions. It's like, if oh, Josiah's in need? I'm going to go sell my possessions, and I'm going to just give it because I'm a part of his life. Yeah. It's community. family. My Yeah. And, and, and they would sell their possessions, their belongings. They would distribute the proceeds to who, whoever was in need. It says, and day by day, so daily. This wasn't just, a, hey, let's go to church on Sunday. Right. Let's shake a few hands. Let's not know anybody yeah. Two in days our a week or church day. Yeah. yeah. And it used to be two days a week. Now, for a lot of people, it's just one day a week. Yeah. You know, And sometimes it's once a month. Yeah, but uh, it says that day by day we're trying to get back to the simplicity of the Christian life, and it says day by day attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God, having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the number day by day those who were being saved. I think that that's why so many were being saved is because there was this community that loved each other, supported one another was of one mind, one accord. They prayed daily together. They ate yep. daily together. They served the Lord daily together. Acts chapter 4, verse 32, it says, The full number of those who were believed were of one heart and one soul. I think that's one of the biggest miracles of the Bible. Mm-hmm. We're, now, we're talking about thousands of people. And it says they were of one heart and one soul. If you read church history, that didn't last forever. <laughs> There are a lot of Christians who maybe were not of one heart and one soul, but we're, yeah. there's a lot of division in the church of God. But God's plan is for us to be of one mind, one accord, one heart, one soul. Right. And that's, that's what we're going after, that we would have a community of believers who are of one heart and one soul. And that can get kind of messy sometimes, can mm-hmm. it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, but we're, we're coming together. We're serving the Lord together. We're loving God together. It's a hard thing, honestly, and just the nature of things is me, myself, and I. <laughs> yeah. And it takes a lot of denying myself in order to be around and love others truly. You So it's easy just to go to church once a week, yeah. shake some hands, exactly. say, these people don't know me, I don't know them, let's move on. But to say, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to know these people, mm-hmm. I'm going to do life with these people. That that can become very challenging. Yeah. But it's so rewarding. Absolutely. I think just even doing that takes a lot of... It, you might hear that and go, well, how? where does my life fit into that? <laughs> and that's the thing is that that is your life, is giving yourself to all these others, to giving yourself to your church, to your family. And it's this 
that's what Jesus has called us to is dying to ourselves and living for him and honestly others. Yeah, if you don't know how to make that happen, here's what you do. First, be a part of a church. Find yep. a Bible-believing church. Yep. And then get involved. Yeah, just start doing it. God's people long to be in covenant relationship with one another. Mm-hmm. Find someone, start praying together, serving one another, figure out what you can do to be involved in your church. Don't put all the ministry on the pastor. Right. Figure out how you can minister to one another. Yeah, what's my job? What am I doing here? Why am I here? Yeah, yeah. S- start asking those questions and then acting on those questions. Hebrews ten twenty five tells us not to neglect the gathering together. And he says, even more and more as you see the day drawing near. Mm-hmm. This was some 2,000 years ago. We're closer to the day of the Lord than they were then. Yeah. yeah. And the writer of Hebrews says, as we and draw closer... And, then. We're not saying that enough now. Yeah. As we're drawing closer and closer to the day of the Lord, put a bigger emphasis on gathering together. Yeah. And I feel like whenever I read the book of Acts... I don't want to be negative, but when I read the book of Acts, I read it sometimes, I go, whoa, they were way more concerned about meeting together, gathering together, than we are today in our modern world. Mm-hmm. But we're closer to the day of the Lord than they were, and so we need to get back to the emphasis of yeah. connecting with the body of Christ. Yeah, and that's not just like, I think you could think too, well, I we do, we are very connected, we're all super connected, we can be connected every moment of every day through podcasts, through social media, through YouTube. I'm gathering with my body. I'm seeing these things. But there is a difference. It's being together, living gathering life together, together gathering right. together, not just being surrounded by all this these people that you may have never even met before. That's right. It's this life living together. It's so easy in our generation to feel connected with people because of social media. But the reality is, that's not real relationship. Yeah, it's not real connection. It's fun. There's a place for it. I like to stay connected with people who are far off o- away from me. Mm-hmm. I can be in relationship, uh, but those are very uh, shallow right. relationships. It's not the fellowship that we're talking about. It's not the, the community that God set up. So if you're finding your connection through social media with people, maybe you need to delete social media and... And Give actually, yourself no other option but to connect with people. Connect with someone. <laughs> yeah. God is calling his church to join hands together. And we do that globally by doing that locally. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yes. That was good. That was good. Do I need to, do I need to, <laughs> do I need to elaborate on that? <laughs> A lot of people feel connected to the global body of Christ because we see what's going on. We're listening to this church and this church and this ministry and this ministry we're following. And we say, oh, we have a heart for the global body of Christ. Yep. But the structure that God set up in order for us to be connected with a global body is for you to be yeah. genuinely connected with the local body. And that, and then the, the local body of Christ extends their hands to the global body. If you're not connected with some local body of if there's no local body of Christ, there is no global body of Christ. Yeah, it has to start in a, in a small group of people together. Yeah and living life together and then that grows to the people next to him and then the people next to him and all these circles start connecting and it, that's where that big global thing comes in well it's just like family how does yeah. family start yeah, family exactly. starts with a mom and a dad yep actually that no it starts with a husband and wife yeah family begins with two the two come together and then they have offspring and then the family grows the family grows by adoption by birth by marriage and so as you gather together with local christians local believers then y'all in that covenant relationship 
the family can grow as others are being adopted into the family of Christ, as we fulfill the Great Commission, as uh, people are, are uh, as the church multiplies and spreads. Yeah, and that's, that's I think purpose. that's one that we could talk on for a while. We can talk about <laughs> for a very long time. So that takes us on to our next value, uh, core value, and that's communion. Acts 2.42, it says, They devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. Jesus says in the right before he went to the cross on the night of his uh, arrest, he gathers his uh, the apostles together, his disciples, and he, he establishes the Last Supper. He takes the unleavened bread. He takes the wine. He says that this is my body, which is given for you. This is my blood, uh, which is poured out for you, the covenant of my blood. And he establishes the Lord's Supper. And, and what he says, he says that, as often as you do this, as often as you eat this bread, as often as you drink this cup, you remember me. Mm-hmm. You proclaim my death until I return. And so he's uh, he's setting up as there's something about when when saints gather together, they take the bread, they take the cup, and they remember and they proclaim Jesus Christ and his death and his resurrection. It's the center of the gospel. Yeah. We do it twice a week with our church body. Some do it even beyond those times. Uh, but we get, it's, it's really important for us. We don't want to go a week without gathering together and taking communion and proclaiming yeah. this is what it's all about. Yeah. The this p- is why we're doing this. <laughs> Just that the, every time that I would grab it and it was this, it, I couldn't help but not look at it and think, this is why we're together. This right here, this bread that represents his body being broken, this juice that represents his blood being spilled. There is nothing. I can't explain the importance of this. Like the reality of this. Like this is why we're able to be together. This is why we're together is because of what he did on that cross for us. He died for us. Yeah, so when we gather together and we take that communion, it is the outward physical expression of a spiritual act that has taken place yes. through Christ. And it reminds us, we need to be reminded. Yeah. So that's why I believe he says, as often as you do this, remember, remember me. Remember me, yes. One of the, the errors of ancient Israel was they would forget what God had done in their life. And so God gave us communion to help us remember yeah. his sacrifice. It's a visual learning thing. Hebrews ten nineteen says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh... Since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. That's one of my favorite passages when talking about communion because it, it tells us that we have confidence. We can now with confidence enter into the holy place, into the presence of God by the blood of Jesus. So whenever we take that cup, we're remembering that it's because of his blood. We, have, we can actually we can go, go into the presence yes. of God. Yeah. We can go into that holy place. And then because of the new curtain that's torn, that is his flesh, because the tearing of his flesh, it says that we have a way into the throne room of God. It says by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is his flesh. So it's through his flesh and by his blood that we can enter into the presence of God. And that's what that's what we remember when we take communion together. The body and the blood of Jesus is what gives us access to the Father and even allows us to pray. Yeah. Which takes us to our next core value, and that is prayer. Mm-hmm. We put a large emphasis on prayer, and yeah. not just individual prayer. Right, but corporate prayer. We believe that the church is supposed to pray together. Yeah. Um, Jesus, one of, what, 
one of his biggest rebukes against the house of God in his day was what? He says that my house shall be called a house, house of, prayer. of prayer. He rebuked it. One of my favorite stories of Jesus was whenever he made a whip and he started to whip everybody out of the temple. He says that my house shall be a house of prayer. Jesus is passionate about gathering in his house and praying. And praying. So we believe that the church, the way that we seek intimacy with the Lord is through prayer and worship. Mm-hmm. It's one thing to read his Bible, but it's another thing to hear his voice through prayer. Yeah. And whenever you're reading the Bible with a praying spirit, then it even allows us to hear him better. We gather together and we we pray. We, we can't neglect prayer. The early church, when you read the book of Acts, they were constantly praying together. Mm-hmm. And I, we understand that the individual prayer is highly important, and we talk about that right. all the time. Right. We need to all have an individual secret prayer life. We go to the Word, and the Word goes to that. <laughs> That's right. The Word tells us, Jesus says when you pray, don't worry about sounding yeah. elegant and, and, and doing it so other people can hear you, but go privately. Yeah. So there's obviously a private prayer life right. that we need. But it also talks about the importance of praying together. Yeah. I feel like people are torn on this subject. Either we need to always just be praying with a large group, or only pray by yourself. Mm-hmm. And if you're if you're just doing one of those things, you're missing the full picture of what Jesus said. Full, yep. We need to be praying together. His house will be called a house of prayer. Another one of our core values are the spiritual gifts in operation. Yeah. We we teach about the spiritual gifts and we encourage every member of the church to to use the gifts that God has given them. Yeah. And to and some to seek them. To seek the gifts. Paul says, earnestly desire the, the higher gifts. Yeah. To seek these things. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul tells us, he says, I don't want you to be uninformed about spiritual gifts. One of the things he says is that the Spirit, there are a variety of gifts, but it's the same Spirit. And, and he goes on, he lists nine different manifestation gifts. And he says, to each is given. That means yeah. not... That doesn't mean just the ones that's gone through seminary. Yeah, not to each leader is given, to each pastor is given. It's to each. I haven't had very many visions in my life, but there is one open eye vision that I've had. And we were, there was a, a small group of us praying and worshiping, and my eyes were open, and God gave me a vision right there in that moment. And in the vision, I was an older man. I was standing on the side of a stage, and I handed the microphone to a younger minister, and they go up on stage and I'm looking out in the congregation, and there's this congregation, and all of a sudden, it, it's like this young man was supposed to be leading the ministry time of, of a church, and instead of calling the church up to a few ministers to be ministered to, as he starts to lead or pray or whatever he was doing, all of a sudden, the congregation started to turn one to another, and some were laying hands on each other, and some were being healed. Some were prophesying. Some were getting money out of their wallet and handing it to others who were in need. But there was this corporate manifestation of the Spirit where the church was walking in the gifts of the Spirit for one another. Mm-hmm. And Paul says it's for the common good. It's for the building up of the church. Yeah. And for too long, we've made ministry time centered around one or two individuals mm-hmm. where the scripture tells us that he desires that he will actually give gifts to everyone yeah. so that the whole church can be ministered to 
and built up. Yeah. He created you for a reason and for a purpose, and that is discovered, I think, within the body. That's right. He says that all these things are empowered, as he's talking about the spiritual gifts, they're all empowered by the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as He wills. We've got to quit labeling, well, this person can minister, this person can, this person can, this person can. But he says that He apportions each one individually as He wills. We need to be dependent upon the Holy Spirit to pour his the gifts out on the different people of the church. The rest of the chapter says that you're one body, and every member of the body is highly important. Not one more important than the other. Yep. They're just all important. Yep. They're all valuable. Yep. And so the spiritual gifts are important to us. Uh, we have uh, just three more to go through. Another one of our core values is the fivefold ministry. That may be foreign to you, or you may know exactly what I'm talking about. But in Ephesians chapter 4, the Bible tells us that when Jesus ascended into the heavens, he gave the church certain gifts. Mm-hmm. And these gifts were to equip the church. These were leadership gifts that he was given. In chapter 4, verse 8, he says that he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts unto men. And if you go on down in verse 11, it says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. We believe very strongly that God has given the fivefold ministry as gifts of the church to equip the saints as church leadership. Yeah. We believe church leadership is made up of these five ministry functions, these yes. five ministry roles, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. Mm-hmm. Now, some would say that there are no more apostles, there are no more prophets, there are just evangelists, shepherds, or pastors, yeah. and teachers. But that's not what the Scripture says here. And there is absolutely zero Scripture in all the Bible that even alludes to that idea. It's a man-made doctrine that is not biblical. It's not there. Uh, uh, That's where the importance of the Word comes back into play. We've got the Word say? The Word is truth. (laughs) Yep. We have to submit to the Word. And even if all the churches are saying this thing, or these people are saying this thing, I don't care. I'm looking at the Word, and the Word says this. And what does the Bible say? And here, the Bible says that Jesus gave these leadership gifts to the church to equip the church. And look what he said. What it says. It says, until, so how long are we going to have these gifts? How long are these functions and these ministries going to be important? I don't know. What's the Word say? What does the Word say? Well, I'm glad you asked, Josiah. Verse 13 says, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ." from whom the whole body, joined together and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So until the church comes to this place where we are in agreement, we have reached the mature uh, manhood of Jesus Christ, we are completely looking like Jesus, we're going to have these gifts. Because these gifts, these ministry roles equip us. get us us to that. Yeah. Yeah. And until Jesus comes back and makes his church exactly like him in every way, mm-hmm. we're going to need these, these ministry roles. Yeah, we are. Yeah. So we put an emphasis on the teaching 
of, uh, of the fivefold ministry. We believe that leadership and these different function roles are important to the church. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. We're not going to get into teaching about that. That's just one of our fivefold. That's one of our core values. Uh, another core value is reaching the lost. The Great Commission. Yep. Knowing that everyone has an eternal destination, we're going to work to spread the gospel of salvation to everyone. Reaching the lost uh, with the salvation message is, is important to us. Yes. The Great Commission, he says, go out and what? Make disciples on all nations, teaching them all, all nations, teaching them all that I have taught you, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus came to seek that which was lost. Mm-hmm. And if we're not reaching the lost, and, and we're all these other things, hey, we're enjoying the presence of God, we're reading the Word together, we're, uh, we're, we're praying together, but we're never reaching the lost, we're still missing the mark. Be fishers of men. Yeah, Jesus, I'm going to make you fishers of men. Go out and fish for men. Go out and get the lost. You know, I've never seen a fisherman sitting in his house saying, oh, come on, fish, come to me. Yeah. But that's what we do sometimes. Throwing his bobber out his window. <laughs> yeah. That would be kind of cool if you did. You were able to fish out of your window. That'd be neat. But a lot of times from the from the church, we just we go to church and we expect the lost to come to us. Mm-hmm. That's not the Great Commission. Yeah, that's not what Jesus did. We go and we reach the lost. Matthew twenty four fourteen says, uh, "And this gospel, of the kingdom, will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all mm-hmm. nations, and then the end will come." Yeah. The, Jesus isn't coming back until the church has preached in every nation. I, I, I believe that. I believe that's what that's speaking to. Yep. Uh, we have a commission to go and preach the gospel to reach the lost in every nation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and speaking about the, the end, we're going to end with our last core value, and that is the message of God's glo- of the glorious return of Christ. Yeah, We put a very large emphasis on the message of Christ's return mm-hmm. because it's a part of the gospel. Yeah. We think the gospel ends at Jesus' death and resurrection. Right. But that's that's not the end. He's got he's coming back. The gospel message is he came from heaven, lived a holy life, he died on the cross for mankind, he resurrected, yep. he ascended to the Father, and he's coming back. Yep. And we forget that part of the gospel. And I think a lot of Christians uh I think a lot of us are intimidated by the message of Jesus coming back, what it's going to look like, what it's going to, what the events are going, what the world's going to be like when he comes back, uh, what's going to be the sign of his coming. But it's something that Christ gave us revelation on. It's yeah. something that he he told us about, and we put a focus yeah. on that. I think it reminds, it makes me think. I think the reason it might be so intimidating or scary or whatever, and people don't even you don't want to look at it, is because anything new is intimidating at first, and almost can cause us to not even want to experience or think about it or do that thing but it's some of those things are important maybe intimidating or scary or whatever it might be in your mind but expose yourself to it read it understand it and that's and that's what we do that's what we're doing it's why it's our one of our core values again scripture says that all scripture yep is breathed out by god all of it and and that means the book of revelation in fact the book of revelation is the only book the bible says you're gonna be really blessed for reading this book yeah we need to read it we need to understand what the bible says about his return jesus talked about it the apostles talked about it and we have the whole book of revelation is focused on christ's return the events that's going to take the generation of his return things that are going to happen before his return what it's going to look like and things that are going to happen after his return yeah and so we give ourselves it's to that. instructions. It's like, <laughs> it's the manual. He says, I tell you all these things so that you can endure. 
He yeah. gives us information about the day of his return so that we can we can endure to the end. And yeah. Revelation 19.7 says, Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife has made herself ready. Yeah. I believe that the church is going to be making herself ready for the day of the Lord mm-hmm. as we get closer and closer to that day. Revelation 1.3, Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. He, and we see three things in this passage. He says there's a blessing for those who read this prophecy, a blessing to those who hear it, and those who keep it. What that speaks to, blessed are those who study this, those who hear it, who understand it, and blessed are those who keep it, so who agree with the message of this book, mm-hmm. those who accept what Jesus says is going to happen in the last day. There's a special blessing and anointing on that. Matthew 25, Jesus talked about there are wise, there are these wise virgins and these foolish virgins. The wise ones, they were prepared. Mm-hmm. The foolish ones, they were not prepared. The, and then he goes on and talks about the faithful servants and the wicked servants. And the message of Christ's return and, and our responsibility in our generation is to, to walk in a preparedness of that day yeah. and to be wise and to be faithful. And so it's a very important message that we, that we speak very often yeah. uh, in our church. And so that wraps up our nine core values, uh, the core values of the church, the presence of God, the Word of God, community, communion, prayer, the spiritual gifts, the fivefold ministry, reaching the loss, and the glorious return of Christ. Those are the things that whenever you gather with us, you're going to hear those things talked about a lot. You're going to you're going to participate in these type of things. Yeah. So that's going to wrap up our episode today. But leading into next week's episode, next week's episode is going to be the beginning of season one. These first three episodes have been all about us laying down who we are as a church. Yeah. This next season, next week, as we enter into the first season, uh, it's going to be a group of podcasts. And what we're going to be doing is we're going to be breaking down the teachings of these core, these nine core values. We're going to start with the glorious return of Christ. Uh, we're not going in any specific order other than this is what the church is going through together, is what we're teaching and preaching, is what we're studying together as a body of Christ. And so we're going to dive into the glorious return of Christ. We're going to walk through what the New Testament says about Christ's return, the events leading up to his return, and what's going to happen after his return. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're going to focus on that in season one. Yeah, I'm so excited. This is one of my favorite topics, uh, talking yeah. about Christ's return. Yep. I love on that. It. I love listening to it. I love being exposed to it. Uh, I've learned a lot listening to it and hearing it. And, and so I'm excited for it to be available all the time now. I'm excited about it as well. Uh, super uh, pumped about season one. But that's what we're going to do. Season one is going to be all around the return of Christ. So be sure to join us next week in our podcast. If this is a, a something that you are knowledgeable on, something that you're not knowledgeable on, something you're passionate about, something you're not very passionate about, this is going to be a study that will be good for you. Uh, be sure to join us uh, as we dive into what the Bible says about Jesus coming back. With that, let's go ahead and pray, and we'll end. I think you prayed last week, uh, prayed us out, so I'm going to pray this week. Father, we love you. We thank you so much for who you are. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you for your word. Mm -hmm. We thank you for the plans that you have for your church. God, I ask that you would take us as your people and 
fulfill your plans, yes. fulfill your will yes, on in our life on this earth as it is in heaven. Yes. God, I pray that you would bless your church globally, yes. every local body of Christ. I pray that you would bless it with your anointing, with your spirit, that you would make us the glorious bride of Christ yes. that you want us to be. Prepare us for your return. We submit all things to you. We submit who we are. And we submit our ministries, we submit our church, our families, our finances, our business, all to you. You want to do great things in the church of Jesus Christ in these last days. We love you. Amen. Amen.